Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus. Handing you your rights. Good evening to you, Val FM listener, and welcome to another edition of our show, Law Focus, right here on Vibe M88.1. If you are a woman, you might find it interesting that even though you do the exact same job as a man, you've got this exact same skills, same qualification, same work experience, you might actually be earning less than your male counterparts. And that's a reality for the female gender, basically. And it's a global phenomenon, to be quite honest. And we're going to talk about this issue, the gender pay disparity. It is something important. What do you say about it, Tepo? Hi, good evening, Melissa. Yeah, it's a really important one because it affects... 50% of our population. Um, many, many, many people are working, many women are doing a great job, and yet we still have a, a, a pay gap, a real gender disparity in, the, in how women are compensated for doing work which is the same or similar to their male counterparts. Exactly. And interestingly, there's a quote that I picked up somewhere, and it said, just because there are more women in your company does not necessarily mean that you are practicing gender parity. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's not just a numbers thing. A lot of people would like to reduce parity, equality, uh, uh, you know, justice and all of that to simply a question of bean counting and numbers. And it really isn't that. Mm. Uh, you got to look a little bit deeper than that, a little bit further than that, and look at really what, how, as a society or as a company, you're really behaving. Mm-hmm. And what role these people play and how much power you actually allow them, especially if you put them in the seat of power. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to be talking to Kubi Rama. Um, about the topic um, remember that we can't have this conversation if you don't take part in it uh, and so please please contact us via Twitter at ViaFM using the hashtag LawFocus our podcasts are iono.fm uh, and uh, you remember that you tuned into ViaFM 88.1 but before we continue we're going to first go to the hottest stories of the week the legal stories and that is our legal hotspots Rounding up all, all the top all stories, of the, stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. So yesterday, South Africa woke up to some shocking news. Yeah. Uh, the whole country was coming up with all sorts of, what do we call those theories? Conspiracy Conspiracy theories, theories yes. It's a South African, well, it's a world phenomenon nowadays. Nowadays, it's, a, it's very much a South African thing, hey? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Busasa CEO, Busasa is one of the companies that is mentioned in the corruption that took place yeah, the during the nine capture, years yeah. of our former president Jacob Zuma. Yeah. So it came up in the Zondo Commission of Inquiry many times. A greasy, like literally spilled the beans earlier on yeah. in the year when he was taking yeah. the stand. That man sang like a canary. Didn't man. he? Yeah, I mean, oh, he had me glued to my um, uh, computer screen. Huh? And, 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 and Gavin Watson unfortunately died yesterday. Yes. And at no point did he actually deny any of the claims that were made by Mr. Agriti, but... Um, well, well he, he didn't confirm them. He didn't confirm them, yes. but he didn't deny them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he hadn't testified at the time that he passed away. And interestingly, he was going to be appearing tomorrow... No, no, not is at the State Capture Commission. At the State Capture, yeah. but for his tax yeah. evasions. Yeah, there was some tax 
tax situation that he needed to deal with. I think he would have appeared today or tomorrow in that sort of in that tax inquiry. So if you've been under a rock, basically, uh, the issue here is obviously Gavin Watson is the CEO of Busasa, and he suddenly died. Yeah. In a car accident, which is a case of culpable homicide, has now been opened. I, I think the police clarified that it wasn't a case of culpable homicide. That's a misreport. I think it's an inquest docket. It's an inquest docket. Yeah, because he was alone yes, yes. Um, at the time of his yeah. death. No one can explain how in the world it actually happened. But he was driving a small Corolla. Yeah. And the car was pretty much very damaged, close to. He was towards the. If I understand properly. In the entrance of O.R. Tambo, somewhere around there, yeah. um, the car yeah. hits a pole or something, yeah. and that so, was uh, it. So, so driving into O.R. Tambo, there's, there's um, quite a lot of um, sort of bends and yes, so on and bridges, yes, yes. and his car hit uh, one of the pillars which held up the, the concrete pillars. And the impact would say the, something perhaps about even the speed at which he was traveling at the time. So yeah. right now, obviously... We, there's just a lot of questions yeah. and no answers to be quite honest at the moment the know. sad part is he's left without giving evidence so i'm not sure i think it's probably going to impact the zondo commission i just don't know how much it's going to impact uh the commission to hear his testimony yeah. um especially in recent times with the five hundred thousand rand donation from busasa to the yeah. president's uh Campaign, uh, presidency campaign, so, campaign yeah. also being questioned, yeah. and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, it could have the effect that everybody so, uh, just starts to blame him for everything that happened because he can't answer anymore. But anyway, enough about Watson. We that that story will unfold as we carry on through the week, and let's move a little bit to Artu. And I, if you are a, a motorist. Uh, and you drive a car on a regular basis within uh, Gauteng in particular, you should pay attention. Um, today, the government is probably facing one of the biggest tax revolts that has uh, that it's ever seen, and that's in the form of e-tolls. Um, the R2 Act has come into effect. It hasn't actually been signed. I don't think it's been signed by the president yet. Uh, it still needs to be signed, but it's been passed by parliament. Uh, motors could be fined for non-payment of e-tolls. Uh, the Justice Project uh, says people um, who don't want to pay because of enforcement orders will be prevented from renewing their licenses. Uh, and this has a serious uh, uh, Im impact. Um, so in effect, what he's saying is you could then be fined for not paying your e-tolls, which would then not you know, prevent you from renewing your disc. It has a real impact. Mm. Uh, but the, the basic demerit system would work. Everybody has zero points. And then you would, for various violations, get demerits. But how does this work? I thought we were all on the same page about the fact that e-tolls Joe Gauteng was against ETOS, as in the citizens of Gauteng yeah. had been complaining. And which political parties were for against ETOS as well? Uh, virtually all of them, except including the, including ANC. What, the did, ANC did David Makura not say something? The ANC. So what's going on here? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> really knows. Uh, but you would accumulate penalties for various offences that you commit. For so example, for speeding, not obeying traffic signs, and so on.
And if you reach 12 or more points, your license would be suspended for three months, all right? And then you can be reduce your points by not committing offenses. So they would, the point, some of the points would lapse over a period of time. Uh, but once your license has been suspended more than three times, uh, you would uh, have your license cancelled. But how fair is that? I beg your pardon? How fair is that supposed to be? And it, I mean, can you imagine how it's going to impact so many drivers? I don't know if we are like really, really that bad on the roads. Oh, uh, maybe we are. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I think we really are bad on the roads. So and so now we, we are being punished. Yeah, but I mean, the, the one that connects it so inextricably to, to e-tolls is what worries me. The system mm. has been implemented in other countries. I know, in, in for example, in the United Kingdom, there's a similar demerit point system. And it has quite a good effect on driver behavior. In South Africa, we now have this added element of e-tolls, potentially uh, via the back door. Okay, which it's also side Apple. Yeah. Um, how effective do you think then it actually can be in South Africa? This well, very same. I don't system. know. I really don't know because we we need. To, it, it sounds good on paper, but uh, it really needs to be effectively monitored and controlled. There's no point in having it uh, and then having a very corrupt system. You know, not like really. Yes, you know, it really. Uh, everything else must 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 complement. The law itself. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Otherwise, it doesn't work very well. But I mean, uh, taxi drivers. Ooh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I know, let's see. I'm not saying. Do you think you are happy with the way you've explained it? Do you think it's well understood? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, the demerit system up until you get to 12, your license will be suspended if you get 12 demerit points. Okay. And then obviously we have to talk about the lady who's been making news for a very long time now, none other than the public protector herself, Busisiya Mukwebani. And the reason she's in the news today is because the one of Parliament's committees, the Justice, the, Par- the Justice Committee, uh, has written to the Speaker, Tandem Mudise, to basically begin a process of removing the public protector from office. And if you've been following, you know that there's a lot of controversy surrounding the public yeah, protector. Over the last few months, it's been rough. Many organizations, many civil society yeah. groups, uh, political parties, as well as citizens saying she is just not fit. Yeah, I think they questioned even her... Her competence. Her, they questioned her competence, yeah. but they also questioned her ad, um, being an advocate, actually. Um, oh, yes, whether yes, she's fit and proper. Uh, and as sorry. an advocate. So, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, she obviously uh, didn't take it lying down. She was quick to say, you know what, there actually is no process of impeachment, so you cannot remove me as easily as you think. I'd like, Tepo, to just quickly go into that. Tepo, uh, we were just talking about this earlier. Yeah. Is it necessary, really, for there to be an impeachment process first established before the public protector can be removed? And why is that so important? Well, she's a very important public official, and she answers to Parliament. What they don't have is an actual process in which to bring her to account where they feel as though she hasn't, uh, or for her removal, let me put it, they don't actually have that process in place. At the present, what she does is she simply answers to Parliament and ask, they ask her questions and she answers them, which she's supposed to do. Now it's now it goes further than that, what they want to say, but how do we remove this person? Yes, we are entitled to remove her, but we need rules and processes and a, and a, and a, and a particular uh, methodology in order to give her a fair chance, us a fair chance, that process still needs to be uh, sort of formulated correctly. And that doesn't exist yet, but they can do that. That's not a particularly long process. 
to be able to hold a public official to count, many public officials are held to to, uh, to account. So I don't think that will be a very long process or a very big stumbling block towards the the final sort of outcome uh, of yeah yeah yeah. I mean, removing her, they can get the, the the sort of process in place fairly quickly. I think they'll be they, they shouldn't have a problem with that. We have a pretty competent legislators there. Although I was saying uh, that the process itself might get tricky when we've got people litigating uh, against this very uh, process because it's in their best interest to not have it established. Yeah, I mean, you, you, of course it could be. Um, it, it could be delayed by, uh, you know, litigation, especially uh, very, very sort of spurious litigation. It could be. I hope that it's not. Uh, but, I mean, often litigation doesn't have to get in the way of these kinds of things. There are also ways of avoiding it uh, by set, setting certain agreements, parameters already, which can minimize the uh, the possibility and the effect of litigation. Mm. And although I can't think of anything right now, I'm wondering if perhaps South Africa and Parliament, as our legislature-making body, should just get more, de- get into more detail about a lot of these uh, public offices that um, when when they were put in place, no one ever foresaw that we would have the issues that we have today. Mm. So whether it was corruption or someone actually not being proper fits uh, for, for the post, people just doing things that we never thought would happen in a constitutional dispensation. And now they have to come up with these processes, obviously, to do damage control. But mm. what I'm saying is, instead of waiting for every single body that was put in place, whether it's a chapter nine institution or not, for someone there to take advantage, and I'm not saying this is what the private protector is doing, I'm just saying, um, to wait for that person to cause a lot of havoc before implementing ways of dealing with the behavior. You know what I mean? So it would be nice to just get that ball rolling for a lot of these different institutions that are meant to be uh, holding public officials accountable. Yeah, but I mean, it's really difficult to expect Parliament to anticipate, you know, 25 years ago, a lot of things that would have happened. Very true. uh, When the Constitution was created and so on. It's uh, And remember, the Constitution is... It's a very important document, but at times it provides the framework for which you should operate rather than the actual day-to-day implementation of that. Other legislation, for example, will give effect to the provisions of the Constitution. So I don't think we should be too concerned concerned about about Mm. that. It's simply a question of putting in the rules in which we are going to bring the person to Parliament and have them hold account. And if we need to remove them, this is how we're going to remove them. Let's, Let's have a process in which to do that. I don't see a problem here at all. Our, com- our constitution is relatively young. It's 25 or less actually years old, 23 years old, I think. And the same constitution expected the best from everyone who was going to serve in the country. Yeah. Yeah, Unfortunately, but I mean, it's a that's living not document. the case. It's a living document. It's not something that is just standing there. It ha- happens, you know, it changes, not changes, but it's, it's implemented every day and it has to adapt every day. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the government and our foreign owned businesses. What's going on there? This is specific, I think, to Gauteng government. David Makuri, the Premier, said there are plans to stop foreigners from operating certain businesses in the province. It says there are certain industries that only locals should be allowed to participate in. Makuri said this earlier today as he was addressing the Gauteng legislature in an oral uh, question and answer uh, session. 
Businesses uh, that can easily be done by locals should not be done by foreigners. The Premier says uh, this will be part of the Township Economy Bill, soon to be introduced to the legislature. Uh, Makura's comments came after several foreign-owned shops were subjected to rampant looting in Soweto. This follows what happened in the CBD yes. a couple of weeks ago when foreign nationals attacked the police during a raid uh, on counterfeit goods. Um, police confirmed that Spaza shops in Soweto, uh, particularly Dobsonville, Rockville, Zola, Meadowlands, uh, were ransacked and they were uh, looted. Now, I don't know how far that is going to go and I don't know whether there could be some real restrictions on his plans there. But I suppose it is as a result of a great deal of frustration that South Africans appear to have with foreign-owned businesses and foreign-owned shops. It's interesting because ShopRite has plans to get into the Spaza shop business. I was going to say, before you even go on and tell us about ShopRite and they counter, you know... um, it's interesting that Makura, though, did not say which businesses they're stopping and protecting from, for local uh, 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 persons, business persons, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it would have been interesting if he was more specific um, so that we know exactly what we're dealing with here. Now, it's just, he's just speaking. It's just, it's it's butterflies. I don't know if butterflies is the right word. It's sort of up in the air. It's just here, you know. Yeah. We don't know what exactly we're talking about. So, spaza shops. I mean, we'll or... see. Um, I mean, people within the Republic are allowed to uh, pursue uh, um, a trade. They're allowed to pursue um, a vocation mm. and without real restrictions. Generally speaking, in South Africa, you can pursue whatever trade you'd like to do without any And if you're illegal in the country, there's never been a restriction to say you're not allowed to operate this, this kind type of, of business. business. Yes, There can be restriction on who you can employ. Yes. In, under certain yes. circumstances, but it's never really been a restriction of you may not, as this person, participate in this type of business. So that'll be something that it is sounds unusual. like discrimination of some sorts. I, I, well, I mean, I don't know if it's the good. Only discrimination unfair discrimination is unlawful. Only unfair discrimination. Discrimination by itself is not mm, necessarily mm, unlawful. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Well, let's talk about how ShopRite is going to show Makura and how they're going to take over yeah. the businesses in the local in- industry. Interestingly, ShopRite wants to move closer to its customer bases in the township. So what they're looking at doing is making smaller, more localized stores, including the use of containers. Does that sound familiar to somebody? Uh, to sell you know, products directly to their consumers. At the moment, their consumers are often having to travel a long distance. It sounds very good uh, in theory. Of course, that could mean that uh, local businesses and locally owned businesses are already under threat. They would almost certainly be able to undercut uh, the pros uh, and the cons the, the pros i think for the consumer the price would drop uh, would it create more business more employment opportunities as well yeah well Im- immediately yes because the um 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 there would be people working within those stores those little stores and the cons the is country. that if you wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, you would almost you certainly be undercut by, by, by but i mean they could franchise it out they mm. could franchise it out which would benefit the local industry uh, the local entrepreneur as well as uh, the local employee mm. as well so they could have a, some sort of plan uh, which could be all around 
uh, you know, a good thing. Mm. Well, those were our legal hotspots for today. You are listening to 5M88.1. It is Law Focus with Tepo, Muhappi and Millicent Intuini. Right back after this, we're going to ask you for your Voxy opinion. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. All right, welcome back. You're listening to um, the Law Focus uh, and you're on 88.1. Uh, our question today is about gender disparity and pay gap between men and women in the workplace. So we went out and we asked some of you, our valued listeners, what you think about uh, the pay gap between men and women. Um, I think that it's not fair that women are paid less because uh, for the same position because they work in as hard to get a degree for the job or to move up the ranks as men are so they shouldn't be paid less than men stereotypically like a lot of jobs are considered to be manly so if you would think of a woman sometimes you think like her place is at home or to look after the family and that's why even when she enters the workplace it's a bit hard for people to grasp like where to place and they don't see the value that she can bring to the table and sometimes the female counterpart is way more stronger than the male counterpart but because of like the view of like what society has it places her in like an uncomfortable position and she has to like really break through walls to get people's attention um i think it's problematic that women are paid less than men because then it speaks to the structural inequalities and the power of dynamics that exist and knowing how society is set up i think more should be done by government and officials to ensure that we reach an equal uh, status in terms of payment because once you disempower women you know that you just disempower the whole society because so many women are carrying so much responsibility in terms of feeding uh, extra generational people and stuff like that again so i'm saying so i think much more work uh, should be done in the pro- progressive realization of equality for women yeah okay so i believe that there's um a difference between the salaries of males and females and then I feel like in this age it's not a good thing because you get single mothers they also have to provide for their kids so in that in that aspect it's it's not a good thing but then if if like for for what long time ago it would make sense whereby a lot of males would provide for their families whereby now it's not the case so yeah it's, yeah it's not a good day <laughs> welcome back to 5m 88.1 and that was your take on what you think about the fact that women generally earn less than men Tepo, share yours yeah, well, I mean, everyone's saying the right things. Oh, it's wrong, and oh, blah. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that's the anticipated thing. Everybody's going to say how terrible it is, but very few people seem to have any suggestions about it. I noticed that, and quite a few seem to say, "But government must do more about it." Government, government, go- I hear that so often. Government must do more, but government doesn't employ most people, eh? Mm. It is actually the private sector, small in businesses, actually that employ most people in this country. So I don't know that our focus is always on the correct thing. Uh, but I mean, let's um, let's just uh, <laughs> let's take a look and see. I guess they say government because they're hoping that government will put in the laws that will force. I don't know uh, about the regulation, though. Even if the law is in place, that's the difficulty about it. But I definitely, definitely agree with everyone who spoke that something has to be done. That's yeah. that, that's for sure. And if I start out 
in the workplace already earning less than my counterpart who's also starting out then it already shows that in the long run we're going to have this problem yeah yeah i mean that's true and coming up next after this young break that we're going to take is going to be kubi rama who is going to be our first guest your focus point point of information Welcome, Welcome back, yes, Millicent yeah. and Tepo. Hey, after our young break. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. Um, we've got Kubi Rama on the line, and she's going to discuss this topic that I think is really important uh, with us today. Hello, Kubi. Hi, how are you? I'm well, yeah. and so? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um you know, we, we, we talk, so I, I hope you were listening to our voxes. We heard a lot of young people having an opinion, and they had the opinion that everything is, you know, a, a gender pay disparity is wrong and, and, and so on. Something needs to be done about it. But do you, do, do, do you get the sense that most of them understood the underlying causes, all of that kind of stuff? Sorry, I didn't hear that clearly. I'm saying, did you get the impression that people understand that there is a gender pay disparity and the causes behind it? Well, I'd be interested to hear what you think the causes behind it are. Mm. Um, I do think people recognize that there is a gender pay gap. So what, in your opinion, are the causes? Well, I well. Okay. I like how Kubi is just like, <laughs> let's hear yours. Well, okay, I'm an attorney by profession, and I know that the legal profession isn't very kind to women. It doesn't take uh, practical considerations into account. So, for example, uh, women often have to go on maternity leave. It results in quite the stagnation of their uh, careers over the long term because the employer then, for example, will say, but she has to leave early to pick up her kids. She arrives only at 8 o'clock because she has to drop off her children. They don't take into consideration that a man often doesn't have to do that. Or, for example, time off of work to take care of um, practical things like the child is sick and so on. That's what I've seen in, 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 in law firms where over a over a longer period of time those little things will erode her progress as opposed to for example Tapa who doesn't have to take any of that into consideration uh, not allowed to work from home for instance things like that and eventually say after 10 years I'm earning 20 30 50 percent more than my colleague because I've been promoted so many times that's in my that's in my experience in the law profession yeah well um it's interesting because according to you, women are being penalized because they're being good parents and yeah. because biologically they're the only people who can give birth to, you know, more humans. Yeah. And um, because they're responsible parents, they're being penalized. Yeah, yeah that's what that I've is seen. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean if you're a parent and if you're a mother and you fall pregnant and because you pick up your children, etc., that uh, you are not an effective worker. And also it's problematic when you describe it in that fashion for the simple reason that what are we saying then? Um, Shouldn't we be pushing that even men share parenting and are good parents? Mm. We have such a crisis again uh, on fatherhood in this country. So it's really problematic when employers start to interpret things in that way. And I think it's an idea that's way way behind i mean really we're in the 21st century 
And if we still think like that, there's something fundamentally wrong with the way we are operating. And in addition to all of that, mm. technology makes it possible for you to work from anywhere. Yes. Whether you're in your home or whether you're in your law firm, you can work from anywhere. Yes. I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, but the, what I'm saying is that doesn't always translate and that results in the gender pay difference. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yes, there's a gender pay gap, but I don't think it's necessarily... I mean, it's, it's very sort of vacuous, those arguments. Mm. You know, to say these are the reasons, and they need to be challenged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they need to be taken to court, to CCMA and wherever. I think we're done now. Uh, saying, you know, there is this, there is that, and uh, there, no, there really isn't any good reason for the gender pay gap. Mm. And I refuse to keep talking about the reasons and the fact that patriarchy exists. Yeah, we know all of that. Mm. So the more we talk about it, the more we disable ourselves. So what do you think we should do if we don't speak about it? What do you think we should be doing then? I think we should start challenging. We should start saying, you know, that's it, it's enough now. Mm. I am, you know, I would like anyone to tell me I'm less effective than any man in the work that I do. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's fundamentally unfair. Uh, and we kind of talk about it like this is a fact, it happens, but it is fundamentally unfair. And more importantly, in terms of our Labor and Employment Equ Equity Act, it is wrong. Yes, it yes. should not be. So I think it's time for some class action lawsuits. It's time for going to the CCMA and say, I do exactly the same job, but I earn less. Hmm. But you know what, Gooby? Here's the other thing. Uh, there are things that we don't talk about in society, and we call those things taboo. And I think sometimes salaries, wages are somewhat fits in that, in, in that bracket where people don't want to discuss how much they are earning and maybe that is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to even know that Tapo is actually earning like 30,000 rand more than Millicent even though they're doing the exact same job simply because he's a man uh, because we make it so secretive to have honest conversations about the salaries that we are getting in our workplaces in the corridors what do you think about that? Absolutely. But look, I think it's, it's not an easy area because obviously there's, you know, there are considerations about privacy, et cetera, et cetera. But you can certainly look at women and men in the same position because how much are women as a group earning as opposed to men? You know, and compare that. And if we've done studies in the media, for example, where you then see that as a grouping, professionals, and which are generally the journalists, the editors, etc., etc., who are female, earn a lot less than males in the same positions. Mm. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's not good enough just to do all women and all men, because you'll also find that you'll find a lot of women in admin, and then a, a preponderance of, of men in senior management. Yeah. So one has to do it in a very nuanced way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think you're right. We must stop being sensitive about salaries. You don't need to discuss specific people's salaries. But you can certainly say, as a group of women in this position, this is the average earning. As a group of men, this is the average earning. Mm. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I really... A discussion around gender and gender pay, pay, pay gaps, etc., 
are so focused on, you know, why patriarchy, etc. And it, it it does get frustrating because it's the same conversation. We never seem to move forward. Mm. I think that it's not going to if we don't actively challenge business. Uh, and that means to do that. Yeah. Well, I've got a two-part question for you. Firstly, the legislation generally, which would um, regulate um, uh, or, let's say, um, prevent this sort of, should be preventing this type of um, pay discrimination. What is that? Uh, And then the second question that I have is, I sometimes go to the CCMA, and I have a young lady or, or a lady, just, just a, a, a woman who says, but I'm being paid less than my male counterparts. And I look at, the, at it and yeah, she's being paid less, got similar uh, experience, uh, perhaps uh, somewhat similar um, qualifications. A lot of people's qualifications, not exactly the same, but it's comparable. Maybe she's even got slightly higher qualifications, but whatever the case may be. And I would go then and I say, but hang on. Um, uh, I can't take it to the CCMA because now it's a it's a letter labor court matter. So I go to the employer, write to the employer, and I say, "But listen, uh, we have a problem with this. I have this this uh, lady who is just as qualified as as a male counterpart, who's got similar experience to her male counterparts, but is not earning uh, the same amount of money." And they will inevitably come back to me and say, "But hang on." Joe has brought in X amount of money. He has done this amount of work. He's done this many hours over time. He's done um, X amount of deals. And um, uh, and uh, Mary or whoever has not. Uh, and they say, but that's the reason why. Because we are rewarding the results of their pay without taking into consideration the practical realities of the two. So, uh, and then it, my hands are almost tied because the, the, the law doesn't really cater for that situation where they can say, but on the figures here, I can justify paying this one more than the other. It doesn't matter that one is male, the other one is female. Do you follow yeah, what I'm saying? They're looking after the other kids. Yes. But that's exactly what I'm trying to get. Our legislation, does it not have a shortfall in, in, in having not a holistic approach to it? Because we can take no, it to court. No, but it doesn't have a shortfall. It's the interpretation. Is Melissa doing her job? Is she, you know, yes, he might be going above and beyond because he has the time to do that. Mm, mm. Shouldn't he be a better father? You know what I mean? I yes. mean, why are we... If Millicent is doing the job, Joe is doing the job and maybe exceeding expectations, mm. but they should both be paid the same because it's not like she's falling short. Mm. Uh, it's just that he has more hours he can put into it. Yes. Uh, we should be encouraging him to be a better parent. Then maybe his partner can work longer hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's very in that regard and the way we took I mean even your description mm. you know the system is set up to reward those extra hours etc what we should be doing is assessing performance on the quality of the work both have done within the hours that they were meant to do mm. and I think and I think this topic could uh, uh, um, be is about the fact that we need to generally have a more gender equal society gender parity is a problem uh, generally and um 
what what do you think is so taboo about people not wanting to have us move towards that kind of society because if we all had that same thinking then we shouldn't have a problem even about the money you know the thing that confounds me is how we speak about pregnancy i think what you said is exactly right honestly is there anyone else who can fall pregnant Mm-mm. believe me if our male counterparts could fall pregnant i would happily <laughs> hand over that responsibility <laughs> But they can't. No, no, we can't, no. You know, we can't, and they can't, and therefore, women get penalized for something that is a biological function. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, the, 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 there's also uh, from, I'm just now talking from a legal point of view, that women are still, by our courts, are very often considered to be the primary uh, caregivers of minor children. Uh, and that's the approach that's taken often, not always, in other parts of our law. And perhaps that spills over into our labor law as well, that there is this sort of women are the primary caregivers of minor children, but that's not really our problem. Our problem is what you do in the eight or nine hours that you are here and what you do outside of that, that is your problem. We're not interested in that. If Joe can put in 12 hours a day, I'm paying Joe but, that but extra. But is that really the kind of employment that we want? I mean, you know, that is not... You know, it's a whole picture that we have to look at. Yeah. That is such a short-sighted view, certainly of development and economic development. Mm. Mm. Because if that's how we see the world, and if that's how we see, um, you know, it's fundamentally what she is doing is bringing up the workforce, the next generation of the workforce. Mm. And if women are seen as the primary caregivers, we should enable that, not then put in place, you know, talk about it like it's some kind of disability or some kind of, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, you, you can't really trust women or rely on women because they get pregnant and have to look after children. Mm. Mm. I mean, that is fundamentally flawed in terms of an ideologic, ideological perspective. Definitely. Kubi, I'd like you to take uh, these questions for me. Uh, the first being, who suffers the most when we actually do not address these issues uh, of gender parity that now also spill into the workplace? And then, is it only about women? And when you answer that second part of the question, think of the complexities of gender in our society today, which is not binary, actually. So I'd like you to, uh, to, to, to get on with those questions. But before uh, we, we, we take those answers, we're going to just go for a quick break while you think about the answer. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome to Vive M88.1. You are in conversation with Tepa Mohapi and Melissa Tintiweni. And we are speaking to Kubi Rama from Gender, Gender Links. And she's literally giving us uh, lessons on critical thinking. And our conversation is about the gender wage disparity. Yeah. So before we went for the ad break, Kubi, we had asked you an important question about who suffers the most when we do not address issues of gender parity which we said obviously spill into the workplace and we have these issues of us getting different salaries and the second one was about whether it's only about women take into consideration the fact that we are no longer a gender binary society i think it's a very interesting question and most important the first is we all suffer 
Because then in 10 years or 20 years from now, we're having the same conversation. You know, we have not moved. We've been a lot more successful at dealing with racial inequality. You know, we really need to start addressing the fact that unequal societies create unequal power relations leading, you know, gender-based violence and issues such as that are are results of an unequal society. Mm -hmm. They're symptoms. Mm. You know, we have so many incidences where because of the unequal power that women share with men and, you know, and now if you have to look at other sexes as well, it becomes a situation where there then are situations where you have to prove your power. So, you know, it's, we perpetuate a really bad system. And ultimately, we will have this conversation in 20 years' time because nobody then steps away and says, look, we can't continue this way. So it, it's, it, it's to the detriment of society as a whole, to women, to children, and to men. Because if we keep spouting the stuff about women have to look after children, etc., we, we are not promoting positive fatherhood. Mm. You know, which has become such a critical notion in the South Africa where gender-based violence and men's roles, etc., have been a subject of discussion in so many different fora. Now, with regard to your next um, question around... Um, so Whether it's only about women and looking at the complexities uh, or, or rather the fact that we have progressed from being a gender binary society, how does that impact this conversation yes. at all? Um, so for the first time this year, GenderLink produces every year something called the, uh, the static gender barometer. And in this barometer, we look at, you know, the, the levels of gender equality across 15 countries in SADC inclusive of, you know, a whole lot of indicators. This year, for the first time, we included LGBT, LGBTI persons. Mm-hmm. And we have a chapter that actually looks at the issues facing that, that community. And I have to say, as, even as a South African, it was quite shocking to, you know, read and learn some of the issues. And I think it is very important that those issues are surfaced, particularly um, issues of em- employment and work. Um, because even though South Africa is deemed to be so progressive, it is not always easy for, you know, the sexes that are not, very, are not classified, mm. like intersex people, for example. Mm. Um, you know, being, it's almost as if they're compelled to make a choice. Uh, to make them somehow fit in. Mm. Uh, so, it's, you know, I think it's extremely important for us to bring those issues into the light, to talk about them like you asked me the question now. Right. Uh, the minute somebody's sexuality or sexual orientation is uh, exposed and it's in the workplace, often that leads to a whole lot of stigma and discrimination, even though it's not legal, that results in the person then not wanting to be in that particular workplace. Mm. Yeah. You know, so these are very important things that we have to keep on the agenda and continue to discuss and ensure, because it also starts at school. Sometimes the level of stigma, discrimination, threats of violence, bullying is so bad that people leave. 
if you leave school, you're cutting your education short and then also compromising your ability to continue into higher education. Yeah. Which then directly affects your prospects in the job market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Rumi, uh, uh, sorry, Kumi, mm-hmm. before I, 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 um, we, we finish up, I want to ask you something. I'm, let's say I'm just a typical South African guy, right? I, and I say, but listen, uh, Kumi, I understand what you're saying. I hear you. I support you 100%. But look, I'm a regular guy. I treat women with respect. I love my mother. I love my daughters. I want them to do well. And I mean, I, I mean, I, I, this is not really something that I participate. There's no way I can be uh, sexist if I, if I juxtapose it, say, for example, against someone who is racist. Someone who's racist can avoid the people that they don't want to be uh, associated with. They can do that. Uh, but if I'm a sexist, how can I be a sexist if I'm surrounded by women? I, I, I love my mother. I love my daughter. There's no way I can be a sexist, Kubi. I mean, this isn't really something that I must deal with. You must go talk to the guys out there who are beating their wives and so on. Me as a decent guy, this isn't my problem. What do you say about that? I say that's a big problem. Okay. You cannot divorce yourself from this problem. It's not about uh, whether you're a decent guy or not, or whether I'm a decent woman or not. We have an unequal society. It's our problem. We fought racism in the same way because it was not right and it was not you know, it was a social problem. This is a social problem. If you want, if you love your mother and your daughters as much as you say you do, you want them to live in a world that's equal, that immediately makes it your problem. Mm. You can't say, you know, it's about other guys. No, it's about all of us. Mm. You know, you, me, everyone, saying what is our role in this? What is our role to stop this? Mm. You know, I was a lecturer for seven years and I think I traumatized my students for those seven years because I told them you question everything. Mm. This is one of those things you question. Why in 2019 are women earning less than men? Mm-hmm. And what do we do about it in very concrete terms? Mm. Is, is, is there a difference in, in, in let's say, I, I hate to use the term, but blue-collar work, is the, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the disparity greater in, let's say, uh, artisan work and uh, office work? Um, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the pay gap similar, in, you know, or is it bigger in one of the other sectors? Or do we have any sort of information about that? I don't have information about that, but I can tell you without shadow of doubt mm. that the gender pay gap exists everywhere. Mm, okay. And it's not just in the same position. It's also about where women are more likely to be, where more women are more likely to be employed, which are, you know, the lower end of the scale. Whereas the management, you'll find a much higher proportion of men. I don't, I don't, uh, so, so, sorry, could be, I, I, I didn't follow that last comment. Are you saying... What you find is in the very, in, you know, as you go up the ladder, you find fewer and fewer women. Oh, okay. the more highly paid position. Oh, okay, yes. Oh, I so, mean, you'll see that. As yes. an academic, you'll see that. At yeah. undergraduate level, you'll have so many women. Yeah. As you go up to postgraduate level, the numbers go down because... You know, postgraduate requires quite a high level of commitment, time, etc. Mm. And just like workplaces, the academic institutions aren't very tolerant mm. of the multiple roles that women have to play. Mm. Um, so, but you know, this, the, the thing about different levels, blue-collar workers, mm. artisans, etc., 
Interestingly enough, a few years ago, we did some very comprehensive research around the levels of gender-based violence across quite a few countries, including South Africa. But we had a very interesting experience in Botswana, where we were asked if we could break down the respondents by level of education, not just post, uh, not just tertiary, but within that, uh, you know, bachelor's, honors, and master's. And we said, what was the need to do that? Because the person was convinced that as you go were more qualified, the levels of violence would be less. Yes. I was completely wrong. Mm. It didn't matter what level of education you had, the level of violence was, you know, consistent. And we always talk about poverty being a drive, and that's not true. You know, as I keep saying, it's about power. Mm. Mm. And it's about how power and the need to exert power for whatever reason. Mm. It could be because the man or the person who's doing the violence feels insecure wherever they may be located um, and then feels to get their power, they will do, they will hurt someone else and most often that's a woman. Well, you know, that's so, so interesting. Could be, um, unfortunately, in the interest of time, because you're very critical, and I think we're enjoying yeah, the, the way you, you t- <laughs> your, your, your mind is amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question that might not be completely related to tonight's topic, but I think it's still relevant. And I'm glad that we've got the organ- someone from the organization Gender Links, um, because then I think you'd be the appropriate person to, to deal with this. It is Women's Month. We are ending the month this week. It's coming to an end. And here we are. We're having these conversations as the media. A lot of media houses are profiling women and women issues because it's August, right? And we brought you here on the show this evening to close the month with a very important topic, yes, um, but we're talking about it specifically when? During Women's Month. Now, my question is, how effective do you think what we are doing is where we only have these kind of conversations every August, but we don't have them necessarily any other time? Yes. But then during, you know, okay, in between... Okay, but let me ask you the question. Mm. It's, it's not a question for me. It's a question for you as media. Mm. And I was a journalism lecturer. Mm. Here's my question to you. Why do you not extend it beyond August? Mm. Why is this issue... I mean, I think, you know, everybody... I've been interviewed so many times this month. And I've asked the question, so why don't you call me on the other month? Mm. You know, the proportion of women sources in the media over the last election, and it was research done by Media Monitoring Africa, 20% women sources. 20. You have 55% women voters. You had in the EFF and the ANC, you had almost 50% women and men candidates. So you can't tell me that there were no women to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so why... You know, why? You know, the media falls into the same trap as everyone else. August is Women Month. I mean, the thing that annoys me the most when I get up on the dance of August and the first thing I start to get is Happy Women's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is not Christmas or New Year. This day is about observing achievements we may, may you know, we may have made as regards women's you know, gender equality, etc. But it's also to identify challenges. 
and what we're going to do moving forward. Uh, it's not a hallmark holiday. Mm. You know, it's a social commitment. So I put the question back to you. Why don't you get me back in a month from now? Have me on every single month. Well, I, th- I think that's something that we should take it into serious consideration. Exactly, yeah. I, I, um, and I think we enjoyed having you because, Kubi, you have been extremely critical. Uh, it was It's a law show, but I think you really brought into it that critical thinking that sometimes we take for granted and we just like, oh, this is how things are. So we're just so we're going to leave them like that. And we ask the questions that are very technical and we leave it at that. But I think you've really opened up our minds and I think the listener also enjoyed this conversation and we really appreciate your time thank could you so much we, could you let our listeners know how they could get in touch with you mm. uh, they can get in touch with me using the email advisor mm-hmm. at genderlinks.org.ready okay okay thank you very much perfect thank you Kubi. all right that was a wonderful conversation that we had here. a little bit controversial a little bit difficult, but a wonderful conversation. All right. Um, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> hey, it was, yeah, it made <laughs> me think a bit that one. It made me think a bit. Really, it did. It did, right? Yeah, I think I think, I think, think it was awesome. I, yeah, I, I love the way she thinks. I, I think we really shouldn't pretend that we are not living in socioeconomic realities or gender realities, patriarchal realities. And that's important even in our show when we talk about issues of the law. It's kind of like when we spoke about sexual harassment the last time and we say, and someone uh, asked on Twitter, but why can't I charge someone for saying name calling me yeah. uh, you know and those are important issues even if it might seem onerous to do even if it we might come up with so-called reasons there's always an underlying motive behind that you know yeah. nothing is new under the sun it started somewhere and we have just been socialized into thinking that it's okay but is it really yeah is it um, and and i think one of the other things i took away was perhaps perhaps being a decent and perhaps not being a classified as a problem isn't really enough anymore to not be you know you you don't have to hate women or you don't have to be someone who's anti-feminism to be sexist you can Mm. do it in the most subtle of ways and without you really realizing it so perhaps as a man you should really look and as a woman but I mean as a man because we tend to be the problem look deeply into your own behavior your own attitude even though you might think you're being decent you might think you're being fair you might think that you believe in gender parity are your actions reflective of those beliefs are they truly and to all the employers whether male or female look at how you are actually paying everyone in your company are you being fair are you being objective and you are not trying to use sex as a reason for one to get paid more than the other because that's one of the issues that we have been discussing tonight and if you would love to get in touch with ruby kubi rama from gender links you may email her at advisor at gender links gender gender links goodness wait advisor at gender links dot co dot zay so she was our guest this evening and i hope you enjoyed our conversation do you have anything else to say Tepo, before we close 
No, I'm, I, I think Kubi and yourself have really uh, 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 said everything that uh, sometimes the guy must just keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that one. Well, podcast, if you want to listen to this show again or any of our other previous shows, you are welcome to go to iono.fm and that's where you will find all our law-focused shows that we have done previously. That's where they are uploaded. Up next is a total package with Caesar DMC, DLXL, as well as Celeste King. From our executive producer, Simba Honde, our technical producer, Kutlano Sirame, our law-focused researchers, Sisetu Zingelwa, Nalka Mamate, Sipati Makafani, Tapo Mohapi, and of course myself, Melissa Tindueni. Thank you for tuning into Law Focus tonight. It's the voice of hip-hop up next, uh, and we hope you continue and enjoy the rest of the evening. Law Focus Law Focus Podcast. 88.1 Point of Information. Law Focus Podcast.